Chapter 6 of The Red Hell of Jupiter by Paul Ernst. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Red Hell of Jupiter. Chapter 6 The Inquisition. Blind animal fear caught Dex and shook him in its grip. Then rage filled his heart, driving out the fear as gale dissipates fog. With pain-dimmed eyes he glared at the gangling, hateful figure that gazed down on him with icy eyes. If he could only blast that monstrous, physically feeble but mentally ferocious thing to bits! Annihilate it! Blow it to the four corners of Jupiter! And all the other rogans with it! And with this thought he suddenly saw, through the red mists of rage, the shock-tube that was dangling indifferently from the rogan leader's hand. Instantly the red mists began to clear away. Another change took place in the tortured lieutenant's mind. The blind-hot rage faded into more deadly, cold wrath. A plan began to bud into thought. It was a futile plan, really. It could not possibly accomplish anything vital. But it might give him a chance for a little revenge before his life was snuffed out might give him a chance to strike a blow for the dead journeyman and the other gallant explorers who had perished here in this chamber before him. He closed his eyes to hide the hate and calculation in them. The tall Rogan leaned lower over the rack. "'Are you ready to do as I command?' he demanded. "'Yes,' whispered Dex. "'Yes.' In the beautiful Greca's eyes, as she translated his assent, was horror. But then, faintly, her mind caught the thought that lay beneath the earthman's apparent surrender. She veiled her own eyes with long lashes, lest they betray the captive's plan to the alert Rogan. Her lips moved silently. Perhaps she was praying to her great white one. "'Release him,' the Rogan ordered, triumph in his bird-like, shrill voice. The metal hoops were unfastened. Dex stretched his outraged body, wincing with the pain of movement, then felt life and strength returning to him. "'Come with us to the motor,' commanded the Rogan, his dull eyes glinting in anticipation of learning the coveted secret that should add one more planet to the Rogan's tyranny. Dex walked to the dismantled atomic engine with him. He walked slowly, pretending more stiffness and weakness than he really owned to. No use in letting his captors know that his resilient muscles were so quickly throwing off the torment of the rack. As he walked, he kept his gaze covertly on that shock-tube that dangled in the leader's grasp. The rest of the guard had none. They had laid their weapons down on a far bench on their entrance to the chamber, depending on the one with which their leader was armed. Eagerly the rogans crowded around decks and the motor that had thus far baffled them. They bent down from their twelve-foot heights to bring their staring goggle eyes closer to the lesson in atomic motive power, till Dex was in a sort of small dome of Rogans, with their long, pipe-like legs forming the wall around him, and their thin torsos inclining forward to make a curved ceiling over him. The Rogan leader drew Greca within the circle to interpret the Earthman's explanations. Dex moved a trifle to bring himself nearer the tall leader. Again he glanced covertly at the shock-tube. "'The first thing to tell about our motor,' said Dex, stalling for time, 
is that it utilizes the breaking up of the atom as its source of power." He edged closer to the Rogan leader. "'You see these electrodes?' he said, pointing to two copper castings in a chamber between the fuel tank and the small but enormously powerful turbine that whirled with the released atomic energy. The Rogan leader blinked assent. His small, horrible mouth was pursed with his concentration of thought. The electrodes partially break down the atoms of fuel passing from the tank, explained Dex, desperately attempting scientific phraseology for a matter as far over his head as the remote stars. He raised his hand a trifle, bringing it nearer the Rogan's tube. Is that the outlet from the tank? inquired the Rogan, pointing with the tube, and so raising it out of Dex's reach. Yes, mumbled Dex, sick with disappointment. He'd been on the point of leaping for the weapon. He sidled close again. Greca bit her lips, lest she cry out with suspense. The partially disintegrated atoms pass into the turbine chamber, he went on, and are there completely broken down by heat, which has been generated by the explosive energy of the atoms passing in before them. I warn you to speak true, said the leader suddenly removing his gaze from the specimen motor and staring icily down at Dex. Dex's hand dropped abruptly from its place near the tube. Again his fingers had come within a foot of it. "'We will get ahead faster,' piped the Rogan, an edge of suspicion sounding in his shrill voice, "'if I conduct the explanation. I will ask questions for you to answer. What is the fuel used?' "'Powdered zinc.' Dex answered promptly. No harm in admitting that. The Rogans must already know it. Zinc was common to Jupiter, as Earth spectroscopes had showed long since, and they had no doubt analyzed it by now. The chances were that the leader was merely testing him, to see if he were sincere in his ostensible surrender. That his guess was right, he read in the fishy, dull eyes. The Rogan leader nodded at his answer and some of the lurking suspicion in his gaze died down. How is it prepared? Now this marked the beginning of the end, Dex knew. The preparation of the powdered metal was half the secret of atomic power, and Dex hadn't the faintest idea what it was. This questions-and-answers affair was going to pin him down in short order. How is it prepared? repeated the Rogan leader inexorably. Tell us, or—' But at that instant Dex attained his objective. Once more his hand had crawled slowly toward the tube, till, once more, it was within reach. Then, more bold as his position grew more desperate, he straightened up, and with a lightning move had wrenched it from the sucker-disc that held it. He shouted his triumph. He had it. Now let the devils put him back on the torture-bed if they could. Now let them try to make him betray his planet!" There was an alarmed squeak from the Rogan leader, and in an instant the huge laboratory was in an uproar. The Rogan guards whipped their hose-like arms toward the Earthman. Dex, with a sweep of his hands, knocked the pipe-stem legs of two of the guards from under them, leaped over their bodies, and stood at bay in a corner, guarding the bench on which the guards had laid their tubes when they filed into the laboratory. The air resounded with the shrill calls of the excited Rogans. 
Then they began to close in on him, all the while eyeing the tube in his hand with terror written large on their hideous faces. Dex's eyes blazed with the light of vengeful exultation. For the death of Journeyman and the rest, for the coming inevitable death of himself and Brand, he was going to pay, at least in part, with the captured tube of death in his hand. It was a lovely thought, and for a few seconds he delayed acting in order to savor it. Then, with a smile of pure happiness, he leveled the tube at the nearest Rogan in order to shrivel him to nothingness as he had seen the slave shriveled in the street. The Rogan did not fall. Full in the face of the death-tube he teetered forward, his arms reaching savagely toward the earthman. Dex stared incredulously. Cold fear crept into his heart. He pointed the tube more accurately and squeezed harder on the coil handle. Still nothing happened. The Rogans warily drew closer. Perspiration began to trickle down Dex's cheeks. In God's name, why didn't the tube work? He had thought all he had to do was point it and squeeze down on the handle. But evidently there was more to the trick than that. He groaned. He had staged all this elaborate play for a weapon as useless to his untrained mind as one of Earth's explosive guns with the safety lock clamped on would have been to an abysmal Venusian savage. By now the nearest Rogan was within reaching distance of him. One of its two pairs of slimy arms uncoiled toward him. The other pair strained to reach around him and get to the weapons on the bench by his side. With a cry, Dex dashed the useless shock-tube down on the reaching arms. As long as he didn't know how to work it anyway, he might as well use it as a club. The Rogan squeaked with pain, the arms recoiled. Dex jerked the tube back over his shoulder for another blow. There was a shriek from the doomed wretch fastened to the metal plate. The slave that had been tortured before Dex's eyes is an object lesson. He had been returned to consciousness a short time since, and had been writhing and shuddering against the plate. Dex flashed a glance at him over his shoulder as he shrieked and cried aloud himself at what he saw. The tortured slave was rapidly disappearing. Another shriek left his lips, to be broken off halfway. In an instant nothing was left of the struggling body but a wisp of greasy black smoke. Dex stared stupidly at the tube in his hand. Then, as a squeak of agony sounded from a rogan in front of him, his mind grasped what had happened. Somehow its mechanism had been jarred into functioning when he dashed it against the groping arm. In some way its death-dealing power had been unleashed. With a cry of exultation, Dex began to use it. The rogan in front of him, squealing, collapsed on the floor, dwindling swiftly into nothingness. Dex turned the mysterious death against another teetering creature. It too went up in oleaginous smoke. The rogan leader came next. Dex whirled the tube in his direction and saw him go down. Then he sprang to annihilate still another grotesque monster who had almost reached the bench on which were the other tubes. He shouted and raved as this fourth rogan crumbled. Torture him, would they? Plan to capture Earth, would they? He'd kill off the whole damned population with this tube. The rogan survivors, squeaking in panic, gave over their attempts to retrieve the tubes. They dove for various hiding places, 
under benches, behind retorts, anywhere to get away from the terror running amuck in their midst. And after them sprang Dex, mad with his sudden miraculous success, to ferret them out one by one and blow them into hell with their own horrible death-engine. In his ecstasy of rage Dex overlooked the Rogan leader. He had seen that attenuated monstrosity go down, and had assumed he was dead, but such was not the case. In the corner Dex had vacated when he sprang after the fleeing guard, the tall leader twisted feebly and sat up. One of his four arms was missing, a smoking stump showing where the annihilating ray from the tube had blasted it off at the shoulder. But he was far from being dead. With cold purpose in his great staring eyes, he moved snakily toward the bench Dex had now left unguarded. The Earthman got another Rogan, whirled to track down still another. Promptly, the leader sank motionless to the floor. The Rogan leader continued his crawling. He reached the bench, fumbled up and along its surface for the nearest tube. Dex, unconscious of the sure fate gathering behind him to strike him down, dashed past a great glass tank behind which Greca was huddling in mortal fear, and charged down on two more of the squeaking guards. Then suddenly some sixth sense warned him that something was wrong. He whirled toward the corner he had left. The Rogan leader, two of his surviving arms propping feebly against the bench, was pointing a shock-tube squarely at him. Dex fell to the floor to escape the first discharge of the tube and leveled his own. He felt the thing grow hot in his hand, saw a blinding blue-white fire leap into being in the space between them as the rays from the two tubes met and absorbed each other. He shifted, to get out of the line and blast the creature he had too hastily reckoned as dead. But he was not quick enough. A fraction before him the Rogan leader shifted. Dex felt a terrible burning sensation all over his body, as the ray from his tube met the conflicting ray less squarely, and allowed a little of it to reach him. He shrieked as the slave had shrieked when he felt the annihilating current from the plate sweeping through his body. A black fog seemed to close in around the Earthman's senses. He crashed to the floor, with a glimpse of the leering triumph on the Rogan's face as the last picture to stamp itself in his failing consciousness. The tall Rogan, obviously in great agony from his blasted arm, squeaked a faint command. The four guards who were left issued fearfully from their hiding-places and came to him. He pointed his tube at Dex Harlow, lying unconscious on the floor. There he hesitated an instant, his soft little mouth slobbering in his rage and pain. Then he let the tube sink slowly off its line. He gave another command. The four guards picked the earthman up and carried him to the metal torture-plate on which the slave had met his death. The tall leader's eyes gleamed with vicious hatred as the limp body was fastened to the metal. Mouthing and squealing with the pain of his seared arm-stump, he wobbled toward the lever, a mere turn of which would readily convert the plate into a bed of agony. End of chapter 6